Today's scripture reading is a a very familiar passage from the 14th chapter of Matthew, verses 13 through 21. Hear these words. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over, what was left over of the broken pieces. Twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On December 23, 1980, a baby boy was born in the small town of Portales, New Mexico. There was nothing special about the birth. His parents were working-class cowboys, not part of the rich and famous. There was not a proclamation made on the steps of Kensington Palace or even on the steps of the Roosevelt County Courthouse. There was no paparazzo to stalk him and his family to get the one money shot that the tabloid would spend millions of dollars for. There wasn't even a birth defect or some mysterious disease to stump the doctors. This birth was normal, no more and no less. This young boy grew bigger and stronger like all normal boys do. And all the time he was growing, he had dreams. To him, they were normal dreams, though most of us would not see them that way. You see, this boy had dreams of becoming a professional rodeo clown. To this end, he followed his dad, a professional bull rider, around the rodeo circuit, complete with clown outfits and the complimentary makeup. This dream lasted for several years until his family finally moved to Dallas presumably when his dad retired from rodeo life. Other things eventually replaced this boy's dream. Somewhere along the way, he was called to play football and baseball, playing both in the communities in which his family lived. Throughout his high school years in Carlsbad, this boy played baseball for the Carlsbad Cavemen teams that won a state runner-up and two state championships during his five years of high school eligibility. During his high school career, this now teenager 
was named All-American by Baseball America. As a result, he was a fourth-round selection in the 1999 Major League Baseball Draft. It seemed this young man's calling of a professional baseball career was about to be realized. However, at five foot, 10 inches tall, he spent six years in the minor leagues being told he was too little to make it in the bigs. He was, after all, over four inches shorter than the average major league ball player. For six years, he played in eight different teams at all levels of the major leagues, or of all levels of the minor league system. All the while being told that while he was a good player, he was just too little for the big time. For six years, this Carlsbad boy refused to listen to the experts of the baseball world. He went about his business and did what he needed to do to defy them. Through much maneuvering over the next several seasons, this too little for baseball outfielder became a full-time starter for the Florida Marlins in 2009. And in 2010, Cody Ross, this Carlsbad boy, was named the National League Championship Series MVP and was instrumental in the San Francisco Giants World Series Championship. Through nine years of anonymity and the five years since then, Ross showed the experts that his actions, the actions of the called that included long hours of practice and effort and production on the field, spoke much louder than the words of their world did. I think this familiar story from Matthew about the loaves and the fishes is a great example of this action. Too often I think we look at this miracle story, the only miracle story that appears in all four of the Gospels, and we think that the moral is that Jesus can do amazing things. And don't get me wrong, that is a very important point. But it's not the only important point. I think that in this case, familiarity causes us to overlook another theme that is very important. And that theme is action. After all, isn't our God a God of action? Jesus didn't find a throne somewhere where he could sit back and relax. He didn't look out a stained glass window somewhere and think, all this is mine or all the riches belong to me. And he didn't tell his secretary, I am the king of the world, have the people come to me. As God incarnate, didn't he have the right to do that? After all, it's what Herod did, and it's what was expected of rulers in the Roman Empire. But Jesus was different. Jesus ruled, or rather ministered, from the trenches. Our Jesus was the one who not only talked to lepers who were considered unclean and outcast and therefore ostracized from all manner of socialization, but he dared to reach out to them. Jesus touched the untouchable and in doing so healed them not only physically but spiritually as well. Our Jesus opened a tomb, risking his own cleanliness to call Lazarus out of death and into life. He spat on the ground to make mud with which to heal a blind man, and he drove out demons. Jesus did not sit idly by 
and wait for things to happen. Rather, he went out and made them happen. Today's miracle story is no different. It's a story where Jesus is integrally involved throughout his actions. In this story, we find Jesus like we have seen him on on numerous times in stories throughout the Bible, out in the wilderness, surrounded by the crowds. We find him where no holy man would dare to go, risking his own status to minister to the scourge of society, healing the sick and the unclean. Ultimately, we find him having compassion on the masses by multiplying the five small loaves of bread and two small fish into enough food to not only sate the hunger of 5,000 men and at least that many more women and children, but to also have 12 baskets full of leftovers. What makes this story different from most of the other stories in the Bible, though, is that Jesus does not act on his own. As in the majority of the narratives telling us of Jesus' actions, the disciples are tagging along, following where Jesus goes. Perhaps they are sitting at his feet listening to what he has to say to the people gathered in the desert. Perhaps, and maybe more likely, at least in their minds, they were just there for crowd control. They were there to make sure that those who needed healed got in the right line. And the rest of them didn't create a mob scene there on the hillside. Certainly, they were acting as timekeepers for the evening activities. So when the sky began to darken, the twelve came to Jesus, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And this is where the story changes. Jesus didn't just jump up to meet their demands and sent the crowds off into the night. He didn't just miraculously make food appear. Now Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You, go give them something to eat. Jesus told his disciples that it was now their turn. Yes, he provided the miracle by expanding the food supply. But this miracle was facilitated by the actions of his disciples. They were the ones who went out among the crowd to assess the situation. They were the ones who discovered the existence of only two fish and five loaves among the 10,000 people assembled. They were the ones who brought the food forward to be blessed, fed the crowds, and even took up what was left over of the broken pieces. It is one of the few times in Matthew's gospel where the directive was not, follow me, but was rather, go and do. It was time for those whom Jesus called to act, while Jesus provided the blessing and the wonder for the miracle. For three years, Jesus had been teaching his followers in the ways of God. With this story, he began to prepare them for ministry in God's kingdom. He knew that his ministry was limited in both time and space, but the mission was ongoing and eternal. One man could only cover so much territory, especially if that man's time on earth was soon to come to an end. But God's kingdom transcended all of that. If God's people were going to learn of the good news, 
the message of eternal love, hope, and grace. It was going to take much more than Jesus was able to accomplish in his lifetime. In order to fulfill the mission, many would be called to go and do, as the disciples were called on that day so many years ago. The actions of those called to be followers of Christ had to be much louder than the words the world spoke. Friends, this directive is still in place today. Jesus commissioned us to be a part of his ministry when he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have all been called into action. We have been called to go and do. But the experts of this world are telling us that we can't. They are telling us that we aren't big enough or strong enough. They are saying we are not good enough. Yet our Lord and Savior is telling us to ignore the words of the world. He has prepared us for action, and he alone will provide the blessing. Jesus will provide the wonder that turns our small actions into great big things. The question for you and I today is whom are we listening to? Are we listening to the evil one telling us we can't? Or are we listening to Jesus tell us, go and do, so the blessings of the heavenly major league can be realized today, tomorrow, and forever? I pray that we will listen to the voice of God whispering to us through the noise of the crowd. I pray that we will all choose action, the action that comes out of our listening and the action that comes from hearing three small words, go and do. And I pray that our actions may be truly blessed and multiplied through the grace and love that flows from our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen.